we're getting better. We're getting better. We're getting there. Super hyped about it. Okay. Colonization is on our way. Interesting. Welcome to another episode of Conversations on Our Way. It's the 14th of December 2020. I'm Flo. And I'm Sam. And today we have another special guest. This is Matt, everybody. Say hi, Matt. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Matt and I met. Did we meet? No, actually, no. We, we know through each other through work. Um, I can't actually remember who introduced who first. I don't know whether I know you through Max, someone who came on to one of our previous episodes, or it was actually just through the team. Potentially, it could be through the team. I think it's through the teams. Uh, your, I think, current ma- or old manager was my old manager as well. Ah, so we kind of just met through her. There we go. And then as well, uh, we started hanging out, but also we, fun fact, we used to be neighbors. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. What, like two minutes across the road? Yeah, pretty much. By coincidence or? Yeah, by coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, exactly. two, you, you two only found out after meeting each other or? Yeah. Yep. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. And I think, yeah, we had just moved into the area uh, as you started the job. Yeah, and I had just also moved into the area too. Yeah, happy little coincidences. Small world. Small world. Anyway, uh, so today we wanted to touch base on a fun topic, uh, board games. Because I know for a fact that Matt is super enthusiastic about games because I've seen his board game collection. And I know, Sam, that you also play a number of board games and card Mm -hmm. games. I feel mm-hmm. like out of the three of us, I play the least, but also at the same time, I'm building the card game. So <laughs> <laughs> the irony. <laughs> but yeah, what are you guys' favorite or how many games have you guys do you think if you've played in your life so far? That's, That's a good question. question. Mm. Um, I think I'll start. I want to ballpark it at around 50 Cool. Oh, to sixty games, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think I'm. I'm not even sure. I think I can count all all the board games I've played. Oh, really? So I played um, Ticket to Ticket to Ride. Um, I played Catan. I played Coup. I played oh. um, Monopoly. Yeah, that's a good one. Yep, <laughs> the classic. <laughs> the classic. Um, I I can't. I don't remember any others. I I know I've played uh this this one in Ge- like Ge- like it has a German name, but I can't remember how how to pronounce it. I can't remember the name of it. What type like, of game is it? It was like a game where um you put tiles down and you had to connect the roads and uh, stuff. Carcassonne. Yeah, Carcassonne. Yeah, that that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> You know what it is, you, you'll, you'll find throughout this episode, I have a semi-encyclopedic knowledge of games, so <laughs> <laughs> that that might pop up throughout the episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when did this start? When did you start playing board games? I think this must have been, I want to say, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got introduced from one of my uni friends. Yeah. Um, I think we were hanging around during lunchtime, and he pulled out Bang. Have you guys heard of Bang before? I have not heard of Bang. What's Bang? <laughs> So Bang is this kind of like social game where people have different... No, the context is that it's like the Wild West and there's like a sheriff mm-hmm. and then everyone else has certain roles. Um, you guys have played uh, Mafia or Werewolf before, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, so everyone it's kind of has roles that no one really knows what everyone mm-hmm. else is doing. So everyone has kind of different objectives. 
Uh, but then you have bullets and then you have to kind of just shoot each other and mm-hmm. you have to kind of find out who's on your side and who isn't. Yeah. And I found that was a really good kind of social lubricant for mm-hmm. a group setting in person. Um, the game was good, but probably not in my top 20 at the moment. Uh, but that's probably my gateway into the rest of the I guess, kind of board game spiral that I've fallen into the last mm. seven years. You have a top 20 list. <laughs> uh, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, it probably gets that? blurry at around the top five. And then afterwards, yeah, I don't know how uh, I'm going to rate those. Can you name the top five? I think the best game I've ever played is Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Oh, I, I do have oh. Pandemic. I do have Pandemic. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was it was really it's really really good. Have you played Pandemic before, Flo? No. Yeah, it's... I do want to make a distinction here. Though. There's Pandemic and there's mm. Pandemic Legacy. What's the difference? So Legacy is this really interesting mechanic that's probably out for like like last five six years or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's relatively new in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. But this Legacy thing, it's created by this one guy that kind of brings it around and he kind of modifies games and turns it into a Legacy game. And the mm-hmm. whole like shtick with Legacy is that. Every time you play it, and each subsequent round, um, something permanent happens to the game. So you literally put stickers on the board, you cross out things, you rip up cards, you destroy characters, and you kind of like mutilate your board game. But Ah. that gives you kind of uh, permanence and real consequences for things. Okay. So So the games are one-time use, so again, it's expensive. But then I think you get a good mileage out of like a certain game. It's like out of Pandemic Legacy. Um, I think we got a solid, what, like 20 hours of it for four of us. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and we that paid about fun. 90, 80 bucks between the oh, four of dang. us. So do you want to give a bit of background for the actual Pandemic game? Because I don't think a lot of people know about it. Yeah, yeah, sure. So Pandemic is a very timely game to talk about in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's <laughs> this game where you're pretty much a group of kind of like scientists and doctors. You kind of race around the world to kind of contain a disease. So you play against the board, so it's a pl- like a cooperative game, mm. and the board is kind of represented through a deck of cards. And through each round, you kind of shuffle the deck of cards, you present a couple of different cards, which are normally cities, and those are the cities that have diseases that spring up. And then during your turn, uh, you have kind of four actions. You take your piece, and then you kind of fly around to the different cities, and they're kind of like mapped geographically, so you can't fly from one city to the other. Uh, and then you have to go there, you kind of have to build bases, remove um, disease cubes, and try to curb the disease, while at the same time you're trying to research the cure for four different diseases. Yeah. It's a pretty like complex game, and it, it requires a lot of cooperation between all um, between all the players. And I've personally never won one before. It's just so difficult. It gets pretty tough, yeah. But interesting yeah. you say it's a complex game, because from... <laughs> What I've seen, it, it's one of yep. the lighter games to be really, honest. really yeah. okay, yeah. interesting. Different weightings with, I guess, different board games. And what mm-hmm. I found is that it, it depends, right? For me, mm-hmm. I think board games are really, I guess, context dependent and very mm-hmm. dependent on the group that you play with. Yeah, so at some point, okay, the trade off is the more complex the game, mm-hmm. the more choices you have to make, and the more kind of expressive or fun it can be. But the more complicated and the harder it is to get into. Yeah, I agree. Did you want to say something, Flo? You were. No, I just agreed. It also depends <laughs> on what kind of people that you play with. Mm. But like one thing I found out about um, board um, found out about board games is uh, like a lot of the time after a bit, like most board games, like any good board game, you can play for an hour easily, right? 
you, mm-hmm. I get too tired, but then I don't really care anymore. And that's the same <laughs> with my friends. <laughs> how, how, how do you get over that? Or is it just like you're just so into it? I think it, it really depends on your personality and like your mm-hmm. group dynamics as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a totally normal reaction in my opinion. And I think mm-hmm. there are board games that are catered to, I guess, that appetite. Because mm-hmm. um, even within my group, I have friends that are more interested in the really heavy games that are more strategic mm-hmm. and take much longer. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, that kind of turns off the other half of the group. Yeah. So yeah. as the designated kind of board games guy for the group, I'd have to kind of find the middle ground and kind of recommend mm-hmm. or buy games um, to fit the group. Mm-hmm. But there are some times where I guess, let's say like the more enthusiastic part of the group uh, would want to play some of the heavier games and we'd have to kind of break off and do that ourselves. Mm. Matt, you are a true game master. <laughs> <laughs> but What's I the think that's, that's that's the beauty of it. It's it's a really good kind of social um, mm. lubricant for this stuff. Yeah, I I noticed recently, like board games, um, recently started to like blow up a, a bit. D- yeah, do you think? I definitely agree with that, and I think I'm just kind of part of the mainstream wave, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last, I guess, like 10 years, I think it's mm-hmm. actually grown heaps. Um, I think, yeah, I got in, yeah, pro- probably in the kind of mainstream phase, probably a bit earlier, because mm-hmm. uh, there are still, I think it's like we're in that golden age of board games at the moment, whereas mm-hmm. one day, like a long time ago, it was probably just like Monopoly and like Risk yep. or Scrabble. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, there are so many different games that kind of fit that same level, but mm. just so much better and so much more well-designed. And mm. it's just nice to see that people are kind of picking it up. And it's surprising how many people are actually really picking it up as like a side hobby to play. Yeah, around. I think it's um, like what you said just now, like a social lubricant. I think people are really hungry for that because I think um, right now, like a lot of people just stay at home um, they're always on their computers, always on their phones, and they just want something away from, like something to do away from that. And I think board games is just perf- perfect for that. And I think a lot of, um, that's why a lot of friend groups pick it up. Like me and my friend group pick, like picked some up just, um, just because of that. We never, we always go out, have dinner. Like, oh, what do we do now? What do we do now? Then we started getting board games. Yeah. No, that's exactly why I picked it up as well. Mm-hmm. I think if I think about my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to get a couple of people over, it would kind of be just TV and video games, right? Yeah. Um, you'd kind of, well, and, and there's limits there as well. So with the video games, typically like four people we can play at a time and you're all kind of just sitting around a table looking at a TV. You're not really mm-hmm. interacting with each mm-hmm. other. You're just interacting with the uh, game itself. Mm-hmm. And then as we've kind of gone on to PC gaming, uh, there's even less of a reason to like meet with each other in person. Mm-hmm. because you've all got your own systems, you're all still talking to each other, and you're still all playing the game. But it's still not the same. Yeah, and it's just not the same, especially because if you're on your own computers. And then mm-hmm. LAN, LAN parties, and that's how, that's how that's hard to set up. Yeah, Yeah, and it's hard to set up. Uh, and like internet cafes aren't that huge here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not comfortable as well. Mm-hmm. But then what happens if you have a group of five or six people? What do you do with that? Video games can't really cater to that. Mm-hmm. And if you just kind of want to chat with each other as well and just have that more face-to-face interaction, but you don't want to talk, that's where board games really found their niche. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also who like who's not bothered going out drinking anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a wholesome thing. Why not both? Drinking and board games. Yeah, can do both. It's cheaper at Definitely. home too. <laughs> like, um, I we recently played this board, um, card game called uh, "We're Not Really Strangers" on the podcast previous 
episode, and I thought mm-hmm. that was really good. Um, it's a. Have you heard of it? I don't. I haven't heard of that one before. It's like a card game to. It's basically its goal is to um, strengthen relationships, I guess. It, wow. Yeah, pretty much. There's like three packs of cards in the box. So it's level one, two, and three. Level one is like a kind of a um, try to ease you to like the two people or however many people into the conversation. Level mm-hmm. two asks more um, deeper questions. So you get um, really get the, the people bonding. And the three is the ref- yep. it's a reflection pack. So reflection on the conversation itself. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, it's a really good game. I think I've I've played it with a few friends, and they've all really liked it. And I think me and those friends have got a bit closer just because we played that game together. That's interesting. So mm. it, it's like a conversation facilitator. Then. Pretty and much, pretty much. Yeah, okay. yeah. I really like it. Yeah. So definitely check it out if you if you if you're into that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's actually like taking it to one extreme, right? It's. Mm-hmm. It's not really a game anymore. It's just a way mm-hmm. to kind of introduce conversation. Yeah. That's interesting. Because mm-hmm. I think what I found really popular with my friends at the moment is I think we're leaning more towards casual games now, whereas we've, we've kind of gone through this whole journey where we started with kind of casual games and then we kind of went more extreme and tried to find more heavy, complex games. Mm-hmm. And then we've kind of like gone back to casual games now. And the casual games are the ones where there's not very many mechanics. It encourages a lot of talking and a lot mm-hmm. of interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not strategic and you're not trying to like beat the system or anything. Um, cool. But then a lot of it is just, yeah, just fun. And there's a lot of laughs and just a lot of conversations. Mm. I think my yeah. favorite one, I don't know if you guys have played Telestrations before. Nope. What is it so, about? Telestrations is probably my most successful game in introducing to just new people. So I'd recommend this highly for any of you guys that are listening and also just both of you. Um, it's pretty much Chinese whispers, but in a written format or in a drawing format. Mm-hmm. So everyone has these kind of flip dry erase boards mm-hmm. and then everyone gets a prompt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone gets a prompt. So the prompt could be, uh, I don't know, like a fire hydrant or something. So you, as the person with that prompt, you have to write Fire Hydrant at the front, and then you flip over to the next kind of um, drive. Oh, I have played this before. Yeah, and then you draw I, I it. Just, yeah, I just looked it up. It's, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's yeah. pretty and funny. And then mm-hmm. you flip it over, and then you pass it to the next person, and they look at your drawing, and they will have to write down a guess of what that mm-hmm. drawing is. And you have very limited time in terms of how much you can actually mm-hmm. draw. So what's best about that is that it doesn't really pressure anyone to be good at anything because the worse the drawing, the funnier it is. Mm-hmm. And it kind of keeps going around the table until it makes its way back to you. And then mm-hmm. everyone kind of just presents the story of how that one kind of prompt, yeah. something really normal like Fire Hydrant kind of degenerates into something else that's completely wrong because of people's yeah. interpretations and terrible drawings. It, it, it never fails to... Yeah, and yeah. everyone tries <laughs> to explain why, why they thought um, that was that. And yeah, that's so yeah. funny. It's <laughs> so good. You get insight on how terrible people think or how terrible <laughs> people draw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, have you played it, Flo? Sound yeah. like you have. Matt introduced it. Mm-hmm. So, Flo, do you want to talk about a bit about your card game? Because I really uh, want to touch on um, the the process of designing a board game or a card game. I think. Well, I will. We'll do a separate uh, podcast specifically on my game but it's mm-hmm. been really interesting so far just being part of like the design process mm-hmm. and building the game out um 
In terms of for my particular game, I joined a little bit later, so they'd already started building it and testing which way they want to take it. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of considerations that I didn't expect because I don't know for some reason when I went into it, I felt like oh, really, a card game sounds fun. It sounds simple, but no, <laughs> it really isn't because there's so things. There's like the number of players in the in each round or something like that because that affects it. Whether you have two mm -hmm. only two people. Four people, six people, or then more. Yeah. Um, how much social interaction between each person, or the number of cards, or the number of cards that you can ha hold in your hand. Um, how many moves can you make in one turn, and things like that. There's yeah. so many like nuances in it. It's been really fun to learn all the different bits. Um, but it was very unexpected. Just the amount of depth and thought that would have gone into all of these games that, for example, we've been playing. Yeah. Um, there are actually a lot of like mechanics to balance uh, to any board game or card game. Um, I I heard that a lot of um, board games board game designers are actually like mathematicians. Oh, I'm mm. not surprised. I'm not mm. surprised. I think there's definitely a spectrum of really mathematical and really strategic board games. We can almost kind of teach like behavioral science or like economics mm. through it. And yeah. actually, that's the interesting thing about Monopoly, right? I don't know if you guys know, but Monopoly was never really designed to be like a fun board game. Mm. There was actually two versions of Monopoly, and I think it was started by like a, I don't know, it's like a business teacher, like an economics teacher, to show the differences uh, between uh, capitalism and communism in terms of property ownership. Mm. So the version that we play as uh, capitalism, been, obviously, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it, it was taken by the Parker Brothers, who kind of uh, published it. Mm. Um, but that was supposed to be to say that at one point, or if you kind of just play Monopoly to its death, whoever actually like owns uh, the properties will actually just own everything. Mm. So, I mean, Monopoly wasn't meant to be fun. So all those people out there that think board games suck because they play Monopoly and they don't like it. Well, you, you kind of were right to experience that because it kind of inherently just sucks. Yeah, Monop I think there's a the inherent like uh, assumption that Monopoly is a good game, but it's actually a really bad game. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think a lot of people who don't play board games that think when you say board games, they they, they just immediately think of Monop Monopoly just yeah. be just because how widely played it is. Yeah, and I think so. there's a lot of kind of good things we can like nitpick with the design mm -hmm. of Monopoly, right? Just to kind of dovetail from what Flo was saying. I think mm -hmm. one mechanic I really don't like in Monopoly is the player uh, elimination mechanic. If someone is bankrupt, they just stop playing. So mm -hmm. let's say you're in a group of five, right? And one person has been bankrupted because of just unlucky choices that they've mm -hmm. gotten. Uh, they're out of the game. What the hell are they going to do for the next like two hours that everyone else is playing? So sure. that part is not uh, It's not one of my favorite mechanics in most mm -hmm. of the other uh, board games that I play. Two is also the dice rolling mechanic. Mm -hmm. Dice rolling can be done well or it can be done awfully. And for Monopoly, uh, I think it's done awfully because it's just chance. You can do nothing wrong in the game or you can do everything wrong in the right. game and you can still come up on top mm -hmm. just because you got lucky. Mm. So uh, what's a, um, in your opinion, what's a game that d do uh, dice rolling well? Um, actually, no, that's a good question. I don't like too many dice rolling mechanics. Um, but I think one that kind of fits the theme pretty well and also kind of just fits the um, kind of genre of the game is King of Tokyo. Have you guys played that one before? I've heard of that one. I think I've seen, I went to a board game cafe and I've, I've yeah. looked at it, but um, I think we gave up because we ha didn't have enough time to completely learn a new game. So, yeah. We so, were, like, that one, yeah. 
it's like a family-made game, and the theme is really cool. I really like the theme. So if you guys think about like Godzilla, right? It's mm-hmm. it's pretty much uh, it's pretty much centered about Godzilla. It's about um, I guess big kind of kaiju-style monsters uh, taking over Tokyo, and then they're all fighting for supremacy over Tokyo. So it's kind of mm-hmm. a King of the Hill-style game. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do your moves and to get points and to kind of like charge up your abilities, uh, you have to roll dice. But you have this ability where it's kind of like Yahtzee, where you can um, kind of partition some dice, keep it aside if you like those rolls, and re-roll the other dice. Mm. So you're not stuck with the first roll. You actually have a choice to re-roll other things and kind of push your luck a bit more. And you can do that twice. Okay. Mm. So because for me, that's a much better way of implementing Fair, fair, fair. But I do like um, the um, having a bit of luck in every board game or card game because it mm-hmm. just makes luck just makes everything a bit more fun like those high, like high roll moments or low roll moments it just makes the interaction a bit more unpredictable <laughs> yeah, yeah. unpredictable if the low roll moments your your friends have a laugh and high roll moments you, you you have fun so i think having a bit of that is good Totally. And I think, and this is kind of like the beauty and the magic of the board games, right? It's like Mm -hmm. some games are perfect for those situations and dice rolls really work well uh, for that kind of setting. Mm -hmm. But then you can also imagine the other side of the spectrum where you're trying to be like, imagine those dice rolling in chess. Yeah. It's a very objective game. It's very strategic. Yeah. yeah, And then you introduce an element of luck into it. Then it kind of just removes the whole competitiveness and strategicness of it. So Mm -hmm. there are games that kind of lean towards that side as well. But Mm -hmm. it's like whatever floats your boat. And -hmm. there are so many board games that cater to the different needs for everyone else out there. Have you ever tried to design a board game yourself? I've actually helped out a couple of friends that were trying to design a kind of a party drinking game. Mm hmm. Uh, and yeah, Flo's right. It's really hard. Um, <laughs> coming up with mechanics that are fun and also intuitive and also kind of, um, yeah, make things better and kind of push the game forward. Um, you you put it down on paper and you think like, oh, this looks fun. This looks great. And you try it out with your friends and you're like, this is really boring. Mm. <laughs> it, it just happens. And then that, that playtesting is quite hard. And then you realize why games are designed the way they are. And then some like that game kind of ended up at one point being really similar to Uno because they kind of just changed up um, how to play it. And then they're just like, oh, this kind of just feels like Uno now. And then we kind of realize why Uno is so fun and how popular it is, and like mm. why it's so popular. That's that's nice and a bit sad at the same time. But, yeah. Mm. It's the reality of it. It's just yep. design. Then I think the other half of the equation is all publishing side of it, right? And which is mm. why I think there's that model. We're kind of similar to music, where like someone can kind of um, design the game and do that intimacy with the actual um, core mechanics of it. But mm-hmm. someone needs to come over the top and provide you with like the me- mechanics or me- the facilities to print things, ship it, um, maybe yeah. get good artwork and polish it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that whole mm-hmm. kind of product design aspect of it is also super hard. Yeah, and then getting it going mm. kicks back. I did not think about that part. Mm. If you think about the artwork that's in some of the board games now, they're beautiful. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, definitely. They're all original as well. So you have to commission mm. some like amazing artists to kind of come up with the whole theme and then like do countless bits of work for that. And make sure it all matches well, make sure it prints well, and make sure your components kind of feel good and are durable when you play with them. Yeah. And then from even from like our standpoint, it's not even that you're commissioning someone to build like characters for your game or your cards and things like that they also need versions of those for like advertising material and things like that 
So it's, there's multiple versions or there has to be a consistent theme or look quite very similar. Otherwise, it looks a bit off. Hmm. Damn. The, <laughs> the world of board games, hey? Well, yeah. And some of them get super high budget as well. Um, some of the, like, the more expensive games have really intricate like minis. So the little figures, they're all like really well designed. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like Warhammer pieces. Mm-hmm. Actually, Warhammer kind of counts as a tabletop game, I guess, as well. Mm, yeah, but also there are, there are those games that are specifically they only use figures to play, and they're on a board yep. game thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think that represents like the diversity of it all, right? Um, I don't know if do you guys know much about like Warhammer and those tabletop kind of. <laughs> nope. Right. No. But I'm sure you've seen that it's bloody yeah. expensive to get in. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I just I just looked it up. It's like two hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to kind of do the painting yourself. I feel like most people do it just to get into the lore and to kind of just paint their own figures and just have a nice collection as opposed to actually just playing it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's something that I did when I was like much younger and for sure wasted a lot of my parents' money in there. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's that game where um oh Dungeon and Dragons? Have you played yep. that before? I have. Uh, so I have a lot of good friends that are pretty into Dungeons and Dragons, and they mm-hmm. DM. So DM means they're Dungeon Masters. And mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons is this really own, really special niche for board games. Um, I guess to kind of give a primer to it, I'm probably going to do it this justice. If my friends are listening to this, please forgive me. <laughs> but I guess Dungeons and Dragons really plays in this uh, what my friend calls the theater of the mind. It, a lot of it is purely role playing. Mm-hmm. Kind of enhance it a bit by having really nice elaborate tabletop setups. You can kind of go in costumed as well if you want, and you can kind of talk in the voice of your character as well. It is role playing at its purest. But mm-hmm. there's two types of people that play it. There's a dungeon master, which is typically just one person. They have to be very, I guess, encyclopedic with uh, how the game works. So there's actual mechanics in terms of how the game is played, like how far someone is, how much damage they can do, what abilities they have, uh, when they level up, what you can pull your skill points in. It's all dictated by this gigantic rule book that you can get. But also the type of things that exist within that universe is also uh, defined within the rule book. And as a dungeon master, what you can do is you can either um, adhere to kind of like an already created campaign, or you can create your own campaign within the confines of that universe. Uh. So someone has to be really creative, but also kind of work within limits. Otherwise, the game kind of just gets out of control. Okay. Because I've heard many things about Dungeons and & Dragons, and I've, I, I'm, keen, I'm keen to try one day, but does it take like six hours or something? It depends. There's different formats to play in. So there's something called a one-shot, where someone can design like a short campaign to be played maybe over three, four hours in one night. That's short. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty short. It's one session, uh, but they okay. have to kind of design a storyline. Uh, they have to design like how the party progresses, what the boss is for the night, etc. Mm-hmm. But generally, most campaigns are played over multiple sessions, and like people will kind of get together like once a week or twice a week, and they'll play through this grand kind of campaign that the dungeon master has set up for them, like week by week. And then they'll have persistent characters that they carry through throughout the whole campaign. Uh, and they'll grow like a lot of attachment to the character as well because it's something they'll be playing for the last like six months mm. and it's kind of grown with you, kind of made those choices. And you get all these stories along the way that kind of build into the backstory or uh, the current story of your character. So That's... I can see why a lot of people mm. get really into it. It is mm. super engrossing, but uh, I'm not someone that can personally role play that much. Uh, mm-hmm. I've played it a couple of times. I did enjoy it, but it's not something that I personally would just keep playing for months at a time. So much commitment. <laughs> it is. It is. 
<laughs> but I think that's part of it as well, right? It's that whole kind of commitment makes it more significant. Mm -hmm. So much more of a um, like a a player buy-in in a sense. Mm -hmm. oh, I think I for for Dungeons and Dragons or games like Dungeons and Dragons, I think what people would know it from like popular TV shows. Big Bang Theory plays it. Community plays it. Um, Strangest oh, Things yeah. has a version of it type thing. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's it, also one of the really old board games as well. That's kind of underpinned like a pillar of nerd culture mm. <laughs> that's kind of, it's kind of known like as the if you play dungeon and dragons you're the ultimate nerd yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> you know those um game stores mm. in like in, whether in the city or not things like that and mm. you can sometimes see people playing i think most of the time i'm assuming that they're playing either that or like tabletop games and things like that but yeah, you just see it and you see them play, just like, wow. And you can see the commitment in it as well. Like, the entire, the probably the length of time is definitely a standard of it, but as well, like how, how engrossed and like committed people get into these games. Yeah, yeah. I, I can only imagine, but I've never seen anyone play it, so. I've only seen like, people from like outside the store and like. Mm. <laughs> people play inside mm. yeah i think it's quite common for people to kind of gather at someone's house because you kind of do want that one setting over a long period of time where you it's also kind of private as well mm. um, but you can watch a lot of live stream uh people kind of play on youtube and they kind of just stream their whole campaign and it kind of goes per episode um, and there's like proper voice actors and stuff um that like narrate the game or dungeon master the game or they voice act their own characters, and it gets pretty engrossing. That's pretty cool. the most famous one is called Critical Role. Critical, critical Role. Yes. Hmm. Are there any board games that are uh, com competitive? Other than uh, chess, of course. Yes, actually. Uh, I don't know if you would kind of classify it as a board game, but I think a lot of card games fall into that mm. uh, realm. So I'm sure you guys have heard of Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic Oh, games. yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah um, I think those are pretty competitive um, in mm. terms of, I guess, sport champions and that kind of stuff. And they're really mm. expensive hobbies to get into as well. But there's a lot of creativity involved in those ones because you have to design a deck that works. But it's also mm. a collectible kind of card or trading card game, which mm. means you have to buy booster packs and hope you get that right card, or you buy singles uh, and you kind of beef up your deck. But it is hard to find that balance, right? Like a lot of these board games are mostly made for social occasions. Mm -hmm. um, so you wouldn't find them like chess, where chess is just very strategic and very fair. That's true. That's true. Have you guys been playing chess recently? I was just about to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I have played it when I was younger, but not recently. But I also stopped. Uh, I haven't started watching The Queen's Gambit yet. So You haven't started? I no. promise you, after you watch, you'll start playing. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on chess.com every every day ever since, and I've just been playing chess and realized how bad I am. But something clicked uh, past few days, and my my rating is coming back up. Wow. <laughs> so we'll you to be a grandmaster soon. Nah, I don't think. Nah, I'm too. I think I'm too old. Too old for that. I think it's way past my time where grandmasters achieved achieved the title like they've been playing for like ten plus years around my age and they become um 
they pretty they they label as child prodigies. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that um, watching the um, Queen's Gambit kind of made me realize that I'm past the age of being having the potential of being called a child prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of made me a bit sad. <laughs> it can be an adult prodigy. Hey, that's just a prodigy. <laughs> but you don't really call any adults prodigies, though, do you? I don't think so. They just call the professionals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you no. just call them. Oh, wow, you're really smart. That's about it. No, prodigy comes from the the terminology for like uh, like someone is you're underneath someone in terms of learning their craft and things like that. So it's mm-hmm. like you are my prodigy, my protege type thing. Ah, uh, but I think yeah. how the um, media uses prodigy or protege is like um, you're genius, pretty much. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Normally, yeah. it's an obsession of someone else, though. If you're mm. like, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I've been uh, watching a few streams of uh, Hikaru. Hikaru is it? Mm. Is a, a big oh, chess, okay. chess streamer. Uh, yeah, no, and watching his games, and he's pretty entertaining. Um, it's very surprising how big chess is um, blown up these uh, uh, recently. Oh. Just thanks to that TV show as well. Pretty much. Thanks to that TV show. Thanks to uh, Hikaru, that the personality online as well. Yeah. And making it less a bit uh, less um, elite because chess people are known to be very elitist about their game or only smart people can be good at this game. But mm. um, Hikaru, um, he said, uh, he admitted that people who play chess are actually not that smart. They just, they just a they're lot just of good memory. at chess. Yeah, they're just good at chess, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Matt, you definitely need to watch the watch the series. I, I recommend it. It's it's the only series I've watched probably in the last six six months. All right. Yeah. Okay, I'll weird. give it a go. <laughs> I played uh, it a lot when I was younger. I think I like my school. I was like representing my school in like junior school. And we were like really like, wow. Um, like state level. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's not being cool, so I stopped playing. <laughs> but it's pretty cool now, so maybe you can yeah, go back. No. <laughs> I'll bring it back. Mm. But yeah, I think that's one of the classic kind of uh, games that's timeless throughout the mm-hmm. years, essentially. Like Checkers has been there as well, or like Shogi and Go are mm. the really strategic games. Mm. And they're quite you... simple to play. Yeah, have you two watched the um, documentary about Go? Al- I think it's AlphaGo, called AlphaGo. Oh, so... is that the um, AI that plays yep. the game? Yeah, oh, exactly. I want to watch this. Yeah, it's a really good documentary. It's pretty much um, a story, the story of how um, um, humans trying to beat beat computers because th- this team from Europe, I think so, they built an AI to play the board game Go, and yeah. it is just really, really good. And it's it went against the world champion, I think five five, best of five, and you can you can watch it to see how see how it went. Oh, so exciting! I love those kind of things. Okay, I will definitely watch it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think um there is there definitely is already AI um things AI like that for chess, but I think yeah. there's less less possible moves in chess. That's why it's already been figured out. Yep. So, um. Chess, that's why Go is a bit more um, 
complex. It's a bigger board. There are more, way more possible moves. But chess, it's more limited. So people say, um, you know how chess tournaments that that go for unlimited amount time uh, amounts of time. It's yeah. kind of not the real, true, purest form of chess because it's mm. um, you're ba- you're just sitting there trying to calculate every possible move, then playing the best move. Whereas if you're playing a time limit, you be- you you're more likely to use intuition, and that's yeah. more the purer form of chess. So I I can agree to that. Yeah, I, I think I would too. Like, if you kind of imagine, right, it's, it's a game made by humans for mm-hmm. humans. No yeah. human has unlimited time to just sit down and think. Like, you're you're yeah. going to starve. Mm-hmm. It's true. So. Yeah, I remember the chess computer was called Deep Blue or something. It was made by IBM, if I remember. Oh, correctly. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That's it. Yeah. But it got figured out pretty quickly because, just because mm-hmm. how it's only 64 squares. So, but Go, on the other hand, has. I don't know, like three times. Right. And I remember it being a massive milestone that was finally able to be mm-hmm. a human player, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're experimenting with AI to beat <laughs> us in, in board games and things like that. Yeah. Uh, what is the. Who funded those projects, anyways? Like, what's the point? It's a, it's, I think it's just the way to communicate. Advance the, advance the technology? Or... Yeah. So also just benchmark in a sense, you know, like how smart, how smart these um, AI programs can be. So smart. like, because we see games such as like chess and go and things as an intellectual standard, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So from a communication standpoint or a branding standpoint, if you can get an AI to be, you know, a grandmaster at chess type thing, it's just like, oh, that's that's something. Like they really are cognitively. Figuring everything out in a sense, but from like an economic stand, like financial standpoint, because if you watch the documentary about Go, they had a full like data science team uh, with co- like a lot of coders, people who like a lot of interviewed a lot of Go players j- just to study the game better. They had a full team like to try to build this AI. Like who fun- like my question is who funded that and why? <laughs> and how, how they- owns AlphaGo. Who who owns? Google. Google. Mm. Um and I think my answer for that is the it's not real I don't think like itself winning the tournaments is how it's gonna make money. It's more mm-hmm. like the learnings that they get from creating such a powerful mm-hmm. AI would be um applied to all the other Google products so they can make mm-hmm. their AIs better, they make money and like I don't know, the Google home and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Fair. It's probably that transferable research. It's, that's probably where I'm going to guess how they, yeah, why they can fund it. Probably. But Until that's... they move it over to the finance industry, you know, playing the stock market. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Part two of the episode, are we talking about AI now? <laughs> <laughs> Just transitions that way. <laughs> okay. I think we should do like a final question of some sort. Mm. Sam, do you have one? Or we'll keep it still within board games. Mm, not really. I already asked Matt all the questions I wanted to ask for. Matt, from... you have a question for us. Yeah, I've got two. Um, okay. I guess, okay. first of all, what are your top three favorite board games that you'd recommend our uh, listeners mm. to play? Uh, for me, it's Hanabi, the one that you played. With. Hanabi. Is it Hanabi? Is that how you yes. say it? Yep. Yes, Hanabi is a great game. Okay. I do like um, 
What other game? I, I do enjoy playing chess. I, I'm not good at it, but mm. I, I, when I started learning like basic strategy and things like that, I do really like it. So it'd be Hanami Chess and probably one of the social games. Um, you know what? I'm going to do that. Matt, what was the, the drawing one? Illustrations. <laughs> Dude, such a good game. Such a fun game. That is a good game. That is a good game. But I think I think my my three I think number one is definitely Pandemic. It's mm-hmm. a oh yeah, Pandemic is def- a really really good game. Oh, I think okay. everyone should try it. Um, not not sure if everyone will like it though. What do you think, Matt? I think Pandemic has its own design flaws. Uh, it's not the best game, but it's certainly yep. fun to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people should. It's pretty easy to get into, and it yep. kind of prevents presents a different side of board games. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, it's a good recommendation. Um, my second recommendation. Uh, oh, I I play this a lot with my friends. Um, Munchkins. Have you heard of uh, it? Yes, I have played Munchkins. Yeah, Munchkins is pretty fun. Um, uh, we people get into arguments, but it's all fun and game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's um, what it does. Yep, it's it honestly will break friendships. It's basically a game of um, your characters. You're trying to get everyone's trying to get gets to level ten, and everyone has cards to either help or sabotage each other. So, mm. um, yeah, try try it. I I recommend it. It's a good good way to. It's a good. Um, I wouldn't say it's a good party game, but it's just yeah, it's a good social game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, third one. Mm, don't think so. I I don't. Think I have have a third one. I said I have Ticket to Ride, but I think that that game's replayability is pretty low. Mm. It gets pretty boring after five or six times, so don't think I would recommend that. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think I'll just stick with my two. What's <laughs> recommended? Okay, yeah. that's fair. That's very concise. That's good. Um, look, I have a whole bunch of recommendations. And I think <laughs> people want. Uh, it depends on what kind of person you are. But I think as kind of like an like an all-inclusive list, uh, I would recommend people uh, if they want a really good social game where there's a lot of conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Avalon. Avalon. Okay. Yes. So Avalon is this uh, deception game where you kind of lie about who you are and like what role you play within this talking game. Uh, mm-hmm. It ends up with a lot of great discussion and a lot of great arguments. Mm-hmm. It gets very intense, but it's very fun. It's one of my personal favorite games that I've yep. played tons of, and it, it always works with um, is, people. Is Avalon like who? Not exactly. Uh, it's made by the same publishers, but it's uh, there's no actual kind of mechanics involved. It's all just discussion. Mm. So it's quite different uh, if you haven't really played that style of board game before. Um, I guess my next recommendation would probably be Patchwork. So well, I think I've introduced one this this one to you as well. Uh, this one is a two-player game, oh. um, and it has a really lame um, theme to it, but the mechanics are great. So pretty much, you're trying to piece together this quilt by buying <laughs> little bits of uh, patches, and the patches are kind of like Tetris shapes, where they have different um, you know, different shapes and different mm-hmm. sizes, and you have to try to like tessellate this into your board of uh, of an empty quilt. So there's a really good mechanic there in terms of buying and kind of take uh, choosing which ones that you want to put um, and where, and mm-hmm. also just how you strategically play it. So it's one of those games where it's super easy to pick up, but you realize there's a lot of strategy involved in it. Um, so if you want to be really strategic with it, you can. If you kind of just want to play it casually, you can do it as well. Mm. Can I win this one? 
I think so. Yeah, I'm not very good at it, but I enjoy it every time. <laughs> this uh, this kind of reminds me of the other, this other board game I play, Azul. Yes, is, Azul is very similar to yeah. that uh, in terms of the mechanics. Right, it's like a it's an abstract game, so it doesn't really kind of like it isn't representative of anything in real life. But it kind of mm -hmm. just works, and it's kind of just easy to play. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of strategy involved, and yep. I think that's a, a hallmark of good design, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I guess my last one, probably the more complicated out of these ones, is definitely Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Mm -hmm. uh, anyone that's kind of trying to look for a, just a great group experience. Uh, if you think about like an escape room that you'd spend time with your friends, it's probably around the same price as an escape room for like four people. But you play it with the, the group and over multiple sessions, I guarantee you'll have a great time. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything uh, for <laughs> the game, but it's, okay. it's that good. All right. Thanks for your recommendations. Did you? What was your other What was your other question? And I guess my other question is, what are your favorite memories uh, from playing board games? Mm. Well, winning. <laughs> <laughs> which w winning? Which game? Um, I I like winning. So any of my board games that I've played, uh, not something that favorite memory but like for example like games like avalon and coup and things like i actually don't like those games but i do win at them uh, <laughs> it is very stressful to play those games yeah. mm. it just depends on also who you play with with those games and how well they know you or don't know you type thing um other games that i found really fun oh actually you know what best memory first time playing jungle speed it's not oh, quite yes. Board game, but oh, it's card. Yeah, no, it's a card it's, game. It's definitely within the board game territory, but it's not like it is. It's not like the other games. It's a dexterity game. A hundred percent. But like, because I can get aggressive. <laughs> um, but basically, Jungle Speed is like a you you get a deck. Everyone gets like a small deck of cards and kind of flip over, open the top card all at the same time. And if anyone's matching, you rush in to grab the. <laughs> totem pole in the middle of the circle of your friends and I <laughs> I get really aggressive with that. I just like go for it and just like grab it and rip it out of my friend's hands or something like that. Um but it was one of those games I think that was the first game where it's like it's got a physical aspect to it. Most mm. games are quite like, you know, um interactive through the game mechanics itself. Yes. That was probably the only one or one of the very few that actually you get physical and you can you can really get physical of like two of you are wrestling over a tiny head. <laughs> um so I really that was probably my like my most iconic memory to date. <laughs> hmm. That's fun. That's mine's probably playing munchkins because like oh. I said before, it gets really um it, Ruins friendship, friendships, right? And the whole point <laughs> of the game is to um, sabotage and help help people, um, help your yes. friend. So I'm always the one in the friend group that gets targeted. So <laughs> oh, no. it, it's it's no it's never fun for me. But like I I, I get it. You know, I have someone has to be that person. So mm. I just play along with it. So they all target me at the start. I I'm the last one behind. But then at um towards the end, where everyone's um. Almost getting to level ten. Level ten is 
uh, if you get to level 10, you win, by the way. When everyone gets to level 10 and I'm still at level 6 or 7, that's when I play the mind games with them. Like, oh, <laughs> you, 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 um, you didn't help me just now. Like, why would, why would I help you right now? So that's when <laughs> I, I get my fun. So, mm. how about you, Gus? Um, Matt, sorry, Gus. I see Gus in, on Discord. That's why. I said, <laughs> uh, oh, that's hard for me to pick. Um, I think probably staying out late at night. Uh, probably at one of our, my friends' houses, just playing mm-hmm. Avalon, just over and over again. Back when we were at the peak of things, we got to know mm-hmm. each other very well through those mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. Um, playing through Pandemic Legacy with my friends was also great, and just naming all the different characters and like watching one of them die—that was really sad. Mm-hmm. And just watching the world kind of collapse to this virus that um, we kind of made up names for as well. Uh, one of them was called Asian Flush. It was very funny. <laughs> Uh, but I think one of the my best times playing board games. Uh, do you guys know this um, board game? Oh no, it's like a video game and I guess board game um, event called PAX in Melbourne. Oh yeah, I thought yeah. that's uh, is that for board games? I thought that's it's for... a video game one. But what PAX had when I went is they had this half of the warehouse uh, allocated for just board games, mm. and you could just it's pretty much a gigantic board game library. You can just rent a game and just play with your friends. Mm. Uh, and calling a uh, Calling back to one of the earlier quotes I said about playing like 50 or 60 games, I think I played around 20, 25 games just in packs alone, just cycling through the different games that we played there. Uh, But that was super fun. We got to try so many different games, um, and we're there until like 10 o'clock just playing board games, so that was great. But did you have to learn each game? I kind of knew each game already before. Oh, okay. (laughs) Because every time me and my friends go to a board game cafe, we have to, we sit and like for half an hour just to try to learn the game then then we try playing and then we miss out on mechanic and things don't make sense that that's kind of the not fun part about board games i I definitely agree and i think that's something that the board game industry kind of needs to solve uh, going forward how to get into a game without having to read through a whole book on how to Mm, play it exactly so video tutorials Yeah, that's one way to do it. Yeah, there, there's a. I'm pretty sure there's a YouTube channel um, dedicated for um, five minute tutorials for every board game. There are many of those. Yes. Yeah. So that problem has already been solved. <laughs> yeah. But okay, I think that's enough for today. What do you What do you guys think? I think that's a good good time. Yeah, had a great time. Uh, really fun to just be recording a podcast again. So thanks for having me. Mm. Well, so does that mean we're gonna see a <laughs> A, a revival of yours? <laughs> oh, it's just a uh, shout out to Bamboo Breakthrough. You can find us. <laughs> Bamboo <laughs> Breakthrough. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Tune in for season two. <laughs> season two. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> now you have to start it. <laughs> yeah, well, if we get an uptick in views, and maybe I can convince my friends to start it again. Oh, is that? <laughs> That's the catch. That's the catch. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank, thanks for coming on, Matt. And thanks for everyone for listening. See you in the next one. We'll see you in the next one. Bye.